thank you, Niall, for reading God's Word. I have to say I'm starting to feel my age this morning. Uh, I walked in and I met Claire, and Claire said, I think you were my camp leader many years ago, and I think I was Niall's camp leader as well. Uh, so uh, lovely to meet those folks uh, again uh, this morning. Do keep your Bibles open at the passage Niall read for us uh, just in John 5, and let's briefly pray as we, we turn to God's Word. Lord, we thank you for your Word this morning. Lord, this passage, it's, it's all about Jesus, and we want, Lord, this morning to be all about Jesus. And Lord, I pray not that I would preach well, but that I would exalt Christ, that we would all hear your message. Lord, just give us hearts and spirits that are willing and responsive to your word this morning. We ask in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Going to look at the healing of this paralyzed man here in John 5 this morning. This is the third of, I think, seven miracles in John's gospel. Uh, and each of those miracles serve the purpose of revealing to us who Jesus is, that he is God the Son. Did you notice how Jesus met this paralyzed man? He met him with a question. He asks him in verse 6, do you want to be healed? What a question to ask this man. This man who for 38 years has been paralyzed and has been lying on the steps that lead down into the pool of Bethesda in the hope that one day he'll be able to make it into the pool and, as tradition says, would then be healed. And Jesus comes along and he asks him, do you want to be healed? Imagine if this man was to be healed. Imagine the change that would make in his life. He'd be able to walk. He'd be able to run. He'd be able to work. He'd be able to play sports. If this man was to be healed, it would change his life. It would transform his life. He would be like a new person. And so whenever Jesus said to this man in verse 6, do you want to be healed? I think Jesus was really saying to him, do you want life? That's what he was saying. Do you want life? Because if he was to be healed, certainly he would get life. That's the question he was asking. Do you want life? And you know, that's the question Jesus asks each one of us every day. To the Christian, he says to us, do you want life today? If you do, abide in me. To the non-Christian this morning, that's the question he's asking you. Do you want life? Because if you do, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it in all of its fullness. The paralyzed man on this occasion. He chose life. 
He found life in Jesus. Verse 8 and 9, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. At once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. This day, this man finds life and he finds it in Jesus. What a change. When Jesus first meets him in those opening verses, he's been paralyzed for 38 years. He spends his day lying on the steps that lead down into the pool of Bethesda. That's life for him. That's not life, that's an existence. But he's got life now. Because it says in verse 9 at once, the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Further down the passage, we, we see the same man. He's in the temple worshiping God. The paralyzed man, he's chosen life and he's found that life in Jesus. Wonder this morning if you find life in Jesus. The paralyzed man, he found life because he was chosen for life. That's why he found life in Jesus. Because he was chosen for life. Look at the opening verses of this passage and look at how Jesus takes the initiative. Look at how Jesus goes to him. Look at how Jesus chooses him. Let's read from, from verse 2 onwards. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which is five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time. He said to him, do you want to be healed? Do you see how Jesus chooses this man for life? He finds life because he's chosen for life. Jesus chooses this man out of the crowd. It says there was a multitude there, but, but Jesus latches onto this one man and he, he picks him out of the crowd. And then he speaks to him. He says, do you want life? Jesus takes the initiative. Jesus goes to him with the offer of life. That's why he finds life. Because Jesus chose him for life. Jesus chose him for life. If you're a Christian this morning, if you find life in Jesus, that's because you were chosen for life. Think of those lovely words in Ephesians 1, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Think of those words in Acts 13, 48. As many as were appointed, as many as were appointed to eternal life believe. I love the translation of the, the New Living translation of Romans 8, 30, 31. It says, and having chosen them, 
He called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Having chosen them. This man found life through Jesus because he was chosen for life. It's good for us as Christians to be reminded that that's why we're saved this morning. Chosen for life. Chosen before the foundation of the world. God took the initiative and and came to us. Otherwise, we would never have come. But also, we see here that this man found life even though and despite looking for it in the wrong place. He'd been looking for it these 38 years in the, in the wrong place. You see, this man had pinned his hopes on the healing qualities of the waters in the pool of Bethesda, according to tradition. Tradition held that uh, whenever the waters in the pool started to move, and we'll not get into trying to explain what moved them, different thoughts on that, but tradition held that once the waters moved, the first person to get into the waters would be healed of whatever sickness they had. And for 38 years, this man looked to that, and he was pinning his hopes on that. But he knew it was never going to happen. And he, he says that basically in, in, in verses, verse 7. After Jesus said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, someone else gets in in front of me. For 38 years, that's where he was looking for healing. But he knew it was never going to happen. He was looking in the wrong place. And yet he finds life through Jesus. I think that's lovely. I think that's a wonderful picture of grace. He found life despite looking for it in the wrong place. You know, for every one of us in the building this morning who's a Christian, we were all looking for life in the wrong place. Every single one of us. For years, I was looking in the wrong place for life. And so were you. (coughs) Until that moment when Jesus came and broke into our lives. But you know, sometimes as Christians, we can wander back to those places. Sometimes we can wander back and look to the world again for life. It can happen so easily. It's like it's our default position. We lapse into thinking, maybe there is life in the world. And we start to look to things like possessions and, and pleasure. We'll never find life there. 
What about someone maybe this morning who's in church and you're not a Christian? I wonder, could it be that you're looking in the wrong place for life? You're searching in the wrong place for life. You're looking into the world and what it has to offer to give you life. Never happen, you know. You'll never find it there. He found life despite looking in the wrong place. He found life because he obeyed the words of Jesus. That's why he found life. Because he obeyed the words of Jesus. Listen again to verse 8. Jesus has put the question to him, do you want to be healed? The man has said, I've no one to put me into the water. Someone always gets in in front of me. And then to his amazement, Jesus said to him in verse 8, get up, take up your bed and walk. What a crazy thing to say to a paralyzed man. These words, they, they must have sounded to the paralyzed man like an impossible command. Get up. I've been trying to get up for 38 years. Take up your bed. I've been lying on my bed. I haven't been able to move off my bed for 38 years. And you ask me to take it up. And walk. And walk? Are you for real? For 38 years, I haven't been able even to crawl. And you tell me to walk. It must have sounded like an impossible command to this man. But he decides I'm going to try. It's worth a try. Verse 9 says, At once the man was healed. He took up his bed and walked. You see, what the man discovered was a low. This sounded like an impossible command to him. He discovered that the power to obey the command was contained in the command. And all he needed to do was to be willing. All he needed to do was be prepared to, to act upon what Jesus said. And he discovers, to his amazement, that the power to obey the command is contained within the command. This man found life because he obeyed the words of Jesus, even though those words seemed so hard and seemed impossible. 
for the Christian. I believe the ongoing enjoyment of the abundant life we have in Jesus is to be found in ongoing obedience to his word, to what he says in his word. And sometimes what he says to us will seem like impossible commands, as it did with this man, to this man. But if we are to continue to enjoy that abundant life we have in Jesus, we need to do as this man did. We need to be obedient to his word, even when that seems impossible. Are you there this morning? The Lord's been speaking to you as a Christian. You, you, you know it without doubt. But you're thinking, Lord, how can I do this? Lord, how, how could I go there? <coughs> Lord, I've got responsibilities to see to. Lord, how, how could I do this? Can I encourage you that if that's where you're at this morning, you might just find that the power to obey what seems to you like an impossible command is contained in the command. And all the Lord is looking for from you is just that willing spirit and saying, Lord, right, I'll do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. don't know how it's going to work out, Lord. But we're going to do it. I believe that's where this man came to. Get up, take up your bed and walk. Okay, I give it a go. And he does it. And in doing it, he finds the Lord gives him the strength to do so. This man finds life. He finds life in Jesus. Despite looking for it in the wrong place, he, he finds life in Jesus because he, he obeyed the words of Jesus. And he found life in Jesus. And he found ongoing life in Jesus because he took his lead from Jesus. He took his lead from Jesus. You see, ah, after this man was healed, not everyone was happy. The, the Jewish leaders were very unhappy. They were raging that Jesus had healed them at all, especially healed them on the Sabbath. But to, to make things worse, this man is now walking around Jerusalem with his bed under his arm on the Sabbath. And they are raging. Verse 10. The Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. What do you think you're doing? You shouldn't be carrying your bed on the Sabbath. 
The law didn't prohibit you from carrying your bed on the Sabbath. The law of Moses prohibited work on the Sabbath. It prohibited trading on the Sabbath. But, but what the, 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 the Jewish leaders had done, they had amassed other rules around these so that by the, t- the time of Jesus came, they had about 39 different categories of what they classified as work that couldn't be done on the Sabbath. You couldn't even provide medical treatment on the Sabbath. You certainly couldn't carry furniture or your bed on the Sabbath. But these were of their own making. And so whenever Jesus called this man to take up his bed, and when he was carrying his bed around Jerusalem on this particular Sabbath, he wasn't breaking the law of Moses. He was simply violating the traditions that had, they had added to the law. So they had. That's all he was doing. But I love this man's answer to their protest. Look at verse 11. He answered them, The man who healed me, he said to me, Take up your bed and walk. In other words, the man who healed me told me I could carry my bed. And so the way he's thinking is, if this man is the power to heal me, surely he has the authority to tell me to carry my bed. Now, out of the way, I'm coming through with my bed. That's the way he's thinking. Do you see what he's doing? He's taking his lead from Jesus. He's taking his lead from what Jesus has said, from what the gospel says. Not from what these legalistic Jewish leaders are saying, but from what Jesus has said. And here's the point, folks, and it's important. There are those, if you're a Christian, there are those, and they want to, they want to pull you into the, the liberal camp. There's others, and they want to pull you into the legalistic camp. And my advice would be stay out of both camps. But what what should you do, Colin? Do what this man did. These people want to pull him into the legalistic camp. And he says, no, I'm going to take my lead from Jesus. What does Jesus say? What does the gospel say? And that's what we need to do. When we feel torn between legalism and liberalism, what should we do? Take our lead from Jesus. What does Jesus say? What does the gospel say? That's this man's approach. He says, listen, sorry, man. The man who healed me said I could carry my bed. So I'm going to carry my bed. And that's what we need to do. Let's take our lead from Jesus. But just a few final thoughts, folks, as we... As we finish off, you know, up to this point, up till the end of verse 13, this man doesn't even know it's Jesus who's healed him. 
He needs, knows someone amazing has healed him. doesn't know it's Jesus. So he doesn't. We're told that in verse 13. Now the man who had been healed did not know that it was uh, who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, uh, had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. So up to this point, he doesn't know it's actually Jesus who's healed him. But read on, verse 14 onwards. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. Not beautiful. Again, Jesus taking the initiative. Jesus goes and finds him. He finds him in the temple. And he said to him, See your well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. This man found life this day because he found relationship with Jesus. After all of this, he's in the temple. He doesn't even know it's Jesus who's healed him. And Jesus goes to the temple and finds him and reveals himself to him. And he realizes it was Jesus who healed me. And at that moment, he's brought into relationship with, with Jesus. That's why he finds life. Because he finds relationship with Jesus. Until you find relationship with Jesus, you will never find life. Never. As I said, notice how Jesus found him in the temple. Jesus is always the one who does the finding. Wonders you sit in church this morning in this building. Could it be Jesus has found you? There's a lot of stuff that that guy at the front is saying, and you know what's for you. Could it be that Jesus has found you? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be incredible? What grace would that be? That Jesus has convened all of this this morning just to find you. In finding Jesus, he found someone who was prepared to hold him accountable. Notice what Jesus said to him in the temple, 14. He says, see you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. That's the kind of relationship we need with Jesus, where Jesus holds us accountable. That's the kind of relationship a lot of people don't want with Jesus. Here's Jesus holding this man accountable. He says, listen, sin no more so that nothing worse happens to you. You need to turn away from your sin, sir. So you do. That's the kind of relationship I want with Jesus. That's the kind of relationship we need with Jesus where he holds us accountable. Maybe that's for someone this morning.
There's not a day goes past when I don't have to confess my sin to the Lord. Maybe there's a particular sin in your life at the moment. And you know it's impacting your effectiveness as a Christian. As Jesus said to this man, sin no more. You need to to turn from that. So you do. In finding Jesus, he found someone who was prepared to hold him accountable. But also in finding relationship with Jesus, he found purpose. Notice what he did after Jesus found him in the temple. Verse 15, it says, He went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. He was a brave man. The very guys who told him off were carrying his bed. He goes back to them and he says, By the way, man, I just want to let you know it was Jesus who healed me. See what he's doing? He's witnessing. He's a missionary. So he is. And that's how it works, folks. When we find and come into relationship with Jesus Christ, we find purpose. Because then he wants us to go out and tell others what he has done in our lives. And that's exactly what this man does. I wonder are you doing that? Telling others about Jesus. Who else could say to a paralyzed man, get up, take up your bed and walk and give him the ability to do so? Who else could do that other than the Son of God? That's who Jesus is. That's the message of this passage that Jesus Christ is Lord.